This is the 99% Healthy Podcast with Bobby and Michelle. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 99% Healthy Podcast with Bobby and Michelle. How are you, Bobby? Hello. How you doing? Good. We're back. We're back. We, like, took a week off, guys, and it wasn't on purpose. It's just that the Super Bowl happened, and we got super busy, and it's not an excuse, but it's an excuse. And we all week long, we were like, we didn't do the podcast, so we feel like we let you down. I actually had people messaging me that were like, did I miss something? Did you guys do a podcast? So now we're back. We had intentions of doing it. We did. We did. We were like, oh, we do. And then... We got busy with other things, and then, you know, hours and hours would go by, and we're like, oh, yeah, the podcast. And then the Super Bowl comes on, and then I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll do it Monday when I get home. And then – All week. All no, week it was like we were week. trying to find a way to fit it in, but we're busy. But you know what? That's what I love about this lifestyle is that you can fit it in when you want, and it's awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited because I'm sitting here with no notes in front of me because – Bobby's going to be in charge of this week's podcast, which I'm so excited about. Yeah, Michelle had a topic hole. She was like, I don't know. (laughs) And then life happened this week, and then it spawned an idea for a topic. Yeah, so I'm excited. But first, I want to talk about um, something. Remember yesterday when I was – I I had an appointment, and I went to get into my car, and I had no gas in my car, and I, like – panicked for a second and I texted you and I was right. like do you think I could make it I have I said it, my destination is 22 miles away and I've got 30 30 miles to no, empty it, it was it was your 11 miles away oh okay. and you have 26 miles to empty okay whatever it was I don't remember what it was which is why uh, of course which is why you don't manage your your <laughs> gas gauge I didn't have gas in my car because I kept forgetting like and I knew it I knew I was going to need gas but I just was like too it's cold and I didn't want to like be standing at the gas pump and all that stuff and I totally made it but um I want to talk about living on the edge because then I was talking to another friend yesterday at the gym and I was telling her about it and she was like girl I don't know how you do it like I have to fill my gas tank like as soon as it gets to halfway so I'm interested to know our listeners like do they live on the edge the way that I do I guess it depends on how they drive and how often, right? Yeah. So your your in town occasional driver may just okay, when it's down on the E, I'm gonna get gas. But then your daily driver, right? The person who's always either commuting a distance for kids' events, longer distances to school, work. Maybe it's part of a routine. They're like more in tune with their gas gauge, maybe. Yeah. Because I, mean, I don't drive a lot. I don't I don't go anywhere. I mean, I go to local places, so I don't really pay attention to my gas gauge until it's empty. But I, the funny thing is, is that I texted you and I was like, I was like, there needs to be an app. So you know how we have like 360, like for our family, right? Oh, right. And so it tells us, like, if my kid's phone is it needs to be charged. It'll be like kids. You know, yours. Let's not our, blame <laughs> our kids. <laughs> our kids. Um, so if it, you know, it it will say like, you know, Robert's phone is at nine percent. Remind him to charge it. And then I said to you, we need to have an app that like reminds, that lets you know that like Michelle needs gas in her car. Oh, so like it tattles on you. Like yeah. it's the sole purpose is tattling on like gas levels, charge levels. Because you you take care of me, so like I think that maybe if you. If you got like a little reminder that is like Michelle only has a quarter tank of gas in her car. Michelle is twenty miles till empty, and then you could like remind me to put gas in my car. Or even better yet, you could go get gas in my car for me. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if you could just wake up every day and your car was full? Okay, 
Okay, so <laughs> he actually said to me yesterday I would be the perfect candidate for a Tesla or an electric car, an electric vehicle, because it would be charged. But you know me, I can't even manage my cell phone. Like, I let my cell phone die. So you think I was, I'm was? i going to plug in the car? Yeah, you know, I think what would end up happening is a couple of things. One, since it's in your house, when you remember about it, like being low on, on range, you can just plug it in. The other thing is you can do a nightly you know, close-up check, just as you do your nightly vitamin take, right? You would just be like, okay, let's make sure the car's plugged in. Check check the list. Right. I like what you did there with the vitamin thing. Yeah. That was funny. Um, so you could just you, you could make it happen. But, but kind of like how I plug my phone in at night to charge, I would plug my car in at night. I mean, you are disciplined about that. Most people do, like, the thing to do, part of their go-to-bed routine is plug the phone in. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there are people out there and they're savage, crazy people that may be certifiably insane that just live a life where they never have a plan of when they charge their phone. And when the thing pops up a message and yells at them, you know, they're 20 percent, they ignore it. And then it's a 10 percent, they ignore it. Are you making fun of me? No, I'm making fun of other people. And then because they just, that is me. And then they randomly charge it. I do charge it at night. But when it dies during the day, like, it, I do ignore it. And, like, sometimes if something pops up, and, guys, if you're with me, let me know. Because those messages pop up that are, like, I don't know, it says something about, like, low power mode or something. And I ignore them every single time. And if the kids are, like, looking over my shoulder and they'll see it pop up, they're like, Mom, you got to hit low power mode. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. I just hit ignore because it's an inconvenience. Like, it, it distracts me from what I'm doing. And then my phone will die. And then Ava will say, Imagine your phone warning you that you only have 10% battery left. So it just, I don't know. I guess That's I'm just true. very focused. I can't be distracted, and I, I ignore all the signs, and I'd like to live on the edge is what it comes down to. Oh, and you can tell them what you bought me for Christmas because of my phone habits. Oh, yeah. One of your Christmas presents was a um, battery pack for yeah. the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you have an iPhone 12, and it's just got the, the MagSafe battery yeah. magnetizes right there to the back of the phone. and I have a question for you. And yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Is my phone, like, is there a magnet in this in this case? There's a magnet, yeah, because you have because a MagSafe case. Sometimes I'll put it down somewhere and it will, like, like one time I put it in the wash in the laundry room. I was doing laundry and I put it down in the washing machine and it stuck to the washing yes. machine. And I was like, what's wrong with it? It will my stick phone? to steel because okay. I think there's a to ask series of magnets back there. I've been meaning to ask you that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right, how it works. So, yeah, hence the name MagSafe. Yeah, I yes. don't know. Yes. I don't Maybe know. it uses I'm so thankful for magnets. you because you. Yeah. You complete me. <laughs> I try hard, right? I can give you the battery, but I can't, I can't like lead you to using it, right? Right, which is why if, I don't think I could have an electric if car. If you were an indoor plant, you would, I would you definitely die. die. You die. I, well, I kill those also. I know. <laughs> I also kill my indoor plants. It's yeah. a it's a wonder that our children are still alive and thriving. I know. So I'm excited for today. Um, yeah, because you kill me in the kitchen. Because I kill you in the kitchen. Remember today, this week, the oh, the, re- the reason for the topic. Oh yeah. So I was. I decided. And moms, are you are you with me on this? It was like five o'clock, and I'm like, crap. What am I gonna make for dinner? And what do I have? What can I? Right. What can I pull out? Well, you, so, you had bought the chicken, so you had chicken I in had the fridge. The, well, yeah, buying it isn't the problem. Buying <laughs> buying the food is not a problem at all. <laughs> Cooking it's the challenge. That's why we're here. Deciding what to make with it is is the challenge. So um, it was like five o'clock. Bobby gets home around six. So I. Like, pull the chicken breasts out. And thankfully, they were already, like, I bought the pre-portioned ones. Wait, time out, time out. I'm going to call a foul here. You may have been thinking about this at 5 o'clock. 
But there's little chance you started doing anything about it until like 5.45. No, it was like 5.30 because I, I usually <laughs> will say to the kids, like, okay, I got a half an hour back. Dad's going to be home in a half go. hour. What can I make really quick? And I like, I knew it was too late for a crock pot meal. So, and a lot of times I will base the meals on if, you know, who's going to be home. If the kids have a practice or they've got a rehearsal or something and they're not going to be here, you know, I'm not going to go through the effort of making an entire meal. So it really just depends on who's going to be around. Right. Um, that makes sense. So I, I, like, looked around quick to see what I had. I had the chicken breast, which was, like, like already, like, portioned and cleaned and all that. So that was easy. So I was like, all right, good. I don't have to, like, do that extra step. And I was like, well, what, what do I have? Okay, I got some broccoli and I have some lemons. I'm going to do something with this. And I did. And then you happened to walk in the door. And, bo- guys, Bobby... He's a helicopter husband. He hovers. Helicopter the, chef. He hovers in the kitchen. And I'm not complaining. I mean, I'm complaining. But he hovers because he does He does do it right. But it's kind of annoying when you're, like, at the stove and you're all proud of yourself because, like, you've you've turned on the stove and you've made the food and then or you're trying to make the food. And then he's, like, over your shoulder. He's, like, you know, your heat's a little high. Or, you know, you know. What kind of acid are you going to add to that for the for the fond in the pan to stick to make your sauce? And I'm like, I wasn't like, going to make a sauce. Using words, you have no idea what they mean. And I'm like, you sound like a Blue Apron recipe. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't know. I just remember doing this in a Blue Apron recipe once, and I'm going to try it myself. Well, it it turned out pretty good, right? It was like chicken and lemon. It was edible. Yeah. It wasn't awful. Okay. But my meatloaf the next day. No, the meatloaf was on on point. You liked and my yeah. mashed potatoes. So I think what, I think what we've come down to though is you're just not good at at stove based meals, right? On the stove you struggle, and but oven meals and crockpot meals you thrive. That's fair. Yeah, right. You can't mess up a crockpot meal. Well, like you literally just throw everything in there and turn right. it on. Right, but it's it's attention to detail, right? So like yes, that's what it is. I don't have I'm attention very to detail. Specific and and. And deliberate in all that what I do when I'm cooking, and so <laughs> you're just like like you live in the YOLO life on the stove. I'm like ah yeah, I totally like I improvise. I think everything is a suggestion. I don't even this is really bad. I can't believe I'm even going to admit this, but I don't even look at the temperature when I turn on the stove, like the oven. I just turn the dial. I don't even know if it's a 500 or 350, which is really, really bad. Like, I shouldn't be cooking. It's bad because it changes how you're actually making the food and temperature matters. But, like, if you're going to be home in 15 minutes and I need it to cook really quick, I'm going to turn the temperature up to 500 because it will cook faster, right? right? An oven, which, (laughs) side note, is broken again. Oh, our our oven broke this week. It's a a 20-minute preheat. So what are you doing? Oh, preheating. That is totally a suggestion. I do not do that. (laughs) The yeah. oven goes on, the pan goes in, and whatever it is cooks. Like, I do not do the preheat thing either. Yeah. It's funny. Somebody messaged me this week, and um, she was asking me some questions about um, uh, just about food in general. And she's like, I remember you telling me that Bobby said you don't measure anything. I'm like, yes, that is a correct statement. I don't measure. I don't – like, I am just – and it's horrible because I do pay attention to detail in other areas of my life, probably the ones that don't matter. But when it comes to cooking, like, I just kind of – improvise and go along the way, which is why we are complete opposites. Yes. So so that brings us to today's topic where Oh I'm so excited. We were talking we were so part of your cooking was again, right, so she doesn't manage her heat correctly in her pans. She tends to 
crank the stove on to what I would call more of a high temperature and scorches everything. You don't think I broke the oven, did you? No, the oven broke because it's a Chinese piece of crap. That's a separate story. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I'm not going to end up getting blamed for that. No, no, no. So the stove, like, so so I come in. I'm like, oh, you're too hot. Oh, you're under under heat. Then she goes the opposite direction, and it's, like, lukewarm and not cooking anything. Right. And nine times out of ten, I, I drop right. what I'm doing and I say, here, you do it. Right. You she has it. really good ideas. She's like, the problem, though, is you're like 85% of the way there. But it's that last 15% that actually goes from things being edible to things being great. 99%. I know. We're going to get to 99%. <laughs> so I've got... 101 cooking tips. No, we are not going to go directly through 101 cooking tips. Thank goodness. All right. Um, or Should I be taking notes? No, you don't need to take notes. Okay. We can print this out. I'll okay. highlight the ones Highlight the ones put on their refrigerator. But some of these, I think, are things you're going to recognize because they've been points of conversation. So wait, these are 101 cooking tips. Are you quizzing me on them or are we just going to talk about well, them? Well, I'm going to go through them and some of them I'll let you guess, like the final answers maybe, and okay. we'll talk about them. Okay. So it'll so be the, a mixed the, bag. The, um, mixed bag. The um, control freak in me is starting to come out because I'm right. letting you have complete control of this podcast. So, but I... I trust you. I actually said to him before we started, I said, this better not be lame. Right. So I hope you guys are taking some value away from this. And if you're not, please lie and say right. that you are because my husband, we, we need to build each other up. Okay. okay. All right. So <laughs> Go right. Ahead. So let's just start at the entry of cooking, right? So you've gotten to this panic moment of when you're going to get ready to cook. Like what, what would be some of your first steps in getting ready to cook? Like what should you, what should you do? What should I do? Yeah. What are should, you asking me? Yeah. Okay. Well, Wash my hands. Yeah, wash your hands. That's very good. Yeah. Okay. Wash my cleaning surfaces. Yeah. Get yourself, get your surfaces ready to go. I think those are very important. Um, I take out all of my ingredients. There we go. Yeah. So you're right on point there. So I only learned that from a Blue Apron recipe. Right. Though. So you're starting to, what you're essentially doing is preparing your workspace. Right. Right. You're getting your, your, your workspace set up for you and organized. You're getting your ingredients out. You also are going to get any cooking tools, cutting boards, knives, utensils. Right. Yeah, well, those kind of I grab as I need them. Yeah, sometimes we do. But they're at arm's length, right? Yeah. They're certainly not hidden away. Yeah, well, our kitchen's not huge, so. Right. Um, what's the best way to do this thing with ingredients that you don't do? The best way to measure? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, measuring is is an option. Um, you have to have your measuring cups and measuring spoons out, but I don't. Mm. I eyeball everything. Uh, true, true. We tend to eyeball things. We tend to eyeball things when we have done something repetitively, so we have a, an understanding of yeah. what the amount is. But did you know the actual best way for measuring is with a scale? We have one of those. Yeah, we do. We use it, and I use it. Well, I don't yeah. use it. Actually, I yeah. did use it the other day for walnuts. Less less necessary when you're sautéing things and, and pan cooking things, but if you're baking. Cooking by weight is very important. So, a question: When you cook a meal, and like if it's a blue apron meal, and it says like add a tablespoon of oil to the pan, do you measure a tablespoon of oil? Because I never do. So, blue apron, most of it is all pre-measured. Now, when you're using olive oil, it's you know I usually coat the bottom of the pan so that depending upon what I'm cooking, like if I'm cooking you know protein, right, steak, chicken, pork, something like that in a pan, then I make sure there's at least a thin layer of oil on the bottom of the pan completely. And you want to put the pan and you want to get heat into the pan first, 
then olive oil. I wish you guys could see his hands because he's then, totally being like Italian. And and talking. He's chefing and with then, his hands. And then you put your olive oil in or your Thank neutral you for oil. The visuals. And when you start to see the oil sheen, you know that it, heat has gotten into the okay, oil. Okay, so and I usually, put, if I know that it's hot, I, I, and I don't know where I learned this, but I get a little bit of water on my hands and I flick it into the pan. And if it sizzles a little bit, then I know that the oil is hot. Yeah, I mean, you can do that. You can also just use a, a wooden uh, wooden uh, chopstick or wooden um, spoon. And if the if it starts to bubble on the edge of the wooden spoon, you know that the that oil is hot, hot enough. I didn't know that. Thank yeah, you so for teaching me that. So there's moisture in the wooden, in, in wooden utensil, mm-hmm. and then that moisture just boils when it gets in contact. So you don't have to mm-hmm. splash it. You know, splashing water and oil could be a little dangerous. And you, also, I'm the one that cleans the stove, so we don't like splashes. You don't want splashing, no. right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so, so interesting. All right, so baking scale. So if so, we do like Blue Apron, yeah. right? Not a sponsor, but we like Blue Apron because we, for us, it's like the best you know balance of making homemade meals versus yeah. you know taking the thinking out of it. What's what's my number one recommendation when cooking Blue Apron or anything from a recipe? Your number one recommendation. My rule. When cooking from a recipe, I don't know what it is, but your face is like you know, lighting no, you know up. It. Your face is lighting you up, and I, I'm you like, I feel like I should know what this. What do I tell you to do when you're going to make a blue apron recipe? What do you do? Oh, read the entire recipe first. There you go, ding, ding, ding. I you don't got do that it. Either. See, you knew it. I knew you knew the <laughs> I answer. I knew it, but I don't do it. Correct. So I can't. Sometimes I do. I scan it. Like you know, I'll I'll scan it to see if there's anything. Because right. sometimes it doesn't always match up. Because it's like put a pot of what boiling water, like boil the water, and the water's like boiling for like 25 minutes before you actually need to use it. So like sometimes the steps don't make sense. Yeah. So what I've determined in that situation, because those recipes with boiling water do tend to be like the water is boiling way faster. I think they either are cautious on how long it takes people's water to boil, right? They're making an assumption you're using cold water. Oh, yeah. And it's it's boiling maybe on electric, and it, it could take longer than gas. I don't know. The That's other thing, true. The other thing is I certainly believe it takes a lot longer to clean and prep the vegetables. Oh, that's my least favorite part is, like, cutting the vegetables. And mincing the garlic and all those steps than they think it takes, and that's why the water's boiling way faster. Okay. Right? That makes sense. And, I, like, that is a very time-consuming part. And right. can I just throw in a side note here? Yes. I don't know if this falls on your list or not. But when I look at a recipe, like, sometimes, like, okay, I, re- I remember specifically being in, like, a waiting room at a doctor's office and looking at, like, a cooking magazine or something. This was years ago. And, I like, all these recipes looked so, so good. And I would go through them. But I'm telling you, if the ingredient list was more than, like, seven items, I'm not cooking it. Like, it's off the list. I don't care how good it looks. I'm not cooking it because I do – all of my cooking with like five or less ingredients. And if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you see in my stories that I post pictures of my food all the time and my food is simple and people think it looks like it's complicated and it's literally like four ingredients. I don't know that total ingredient list can be scary. It depends on how they're combined, right? Because if you're taking a whole bunch of ingredients and they're all going and being cooked in the same step, then it's not as bad, right? So let's say you're going to have scallions, onions, peppers, right? A bunch of vegetables in a saute, right? And they're all going to go in or go in close enough to each other in time. And then you just finish it with garlic, right? Type of thing. Even though it's a lot of ingredients, it's it's one step. Yeah, but it's too. It, that's it hurts too your much. Brain. It hurts my brain. Hurts your brain. Like I need the fewest amount of ingredients possible. Okay. So another thing to do while cooking and... This is one of those things where sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. Uh, but your blue apron, your opening packages, yeah. and your and you got stuff everywhere. What is a good tip 
as you're going along, during your cooking process is oh, to clean as you go. Clean as you go. So you got it. We we joke about this because like my dad, my dad did most of the cooking when I was growing up, and he he didn't clean as he went. He would just kind of like throw the trash in the sink and like and whatever. And so like I thought that's how you did it. And then we would just clean up at the end. But clean as you go is a super imp- important step. And I hear you say it to our kids sometimes because our kids are at the age now where, like, they can make macaroni and cheese and they can scramble eggs and they, yeah. you know, they cook simply for themselves. And um, we always tell them, clean as you go. Clean as like, you go. Clean as you go. Clean as you go. Prep, prep, prep ahead. Super yeah. important. Yeah, clean as you go. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, so I would, as part of that, going back to that, like, what's your pre-cooking routine, I would say make sure that you either have an empty sink or the dishwasher is ready to go so that if you use utensils, bowls, cutting boards, you can go right into the sink or the dishwasher and save yourself immense amounts of time. Because when if you think about it, when you're cooking, you have anywhere between three and five minutes between steps as things go on stoves, right? So you have time to go throw a couple uh, things really. away in the trash not can. Not if you don't read the recipe because then you spend that time reading the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another reason to read a recipe ahead so that you yeah. know it. And, and, you then, and then the other problem with um, cleaning as you go is that you always end up throwing something away that has directions on it that you need. Like how many times have you gone back into the trash can to pull out the box to see how long it's supposed to be in the oven or what temperature or to see if you're doing it right? I think I do that all the time. Like I just do. Inevitably, there's something that I threw away that I'm I'm going to need to look back at either the nutrition facts or the instructions. So clean as you go doesn't always work in your favor. You have to clean cautiously as you go. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. So let's go through a couple tips here. These I think these are tips that everyone could utilize and could be helpful. So I got one here that says if you're going to make like kebabs on skewers, use two skewers so your food doesn't spin spin on the skewer because if you put them like on a grill or something and you try to rotate your skewer the skewer spins and the food just stays there it doesn't rotate easily so if you use two skewers then you have a way to rotate your your meat and vegetable on your skewer i love kebabs we need to have those more this summer we should we have tons of kebab sticks too i think we have these long steel ones let's make it happen kebab party at the triffs there we go um embrace salt do yes. not be afraid to under to, to season okay, appropriately. Okay, salt story. Got a yes. salt story. Guys, for Christmas, I bought Bobby these um, salt. He was so excited about this. The salt and pepper grinder, but they're like, it has a oh, battery, battery powered. It's like a battery powered button operated salt grinder and pepper grinder that has like a light on the bottom. Yeah, the light's mediocre, but. Well, we have a break kitchen. Like who who cooks in the dark? But anyway, that's if that's your jam, good more power to you. Right. But anyway, um, so I bought him this salt and pepper grinder that you just push the button and it grinds the salt and the pepper. And I hate it I love so it. much. I So now we have two salt and pepper shakers in our kitchen because I like the one that you actually have to grind manually mm-hmm. with your hand. And I feel like that's how I control the salt. Like I know what eight, eight turns what the grinder looks like. Right. And we use Himalayan pink salt for everything. We don't even right. have – well, we do have – we have kosher salt and we have like iodized salt that we use. Oh, and I have tip salt. For all three of those, believe it or not, just got this tip the other day. Ooh. Not on my list, but in my brain. So it turns out that the different types of salt have different sizes, of course, right? So your typical table salt, your round container of salt, iodized salt, or if you don't buy iodized salt, normal salt, is like little tiny particles, right? Yeah, yeah. And your kosher salt is a bigger particle, right? Like, of course. Which Coarser. I like, yeah. And then in our grinder, you have Himalayan, but sea salt, same difference, right? Yeah. Himalayan sea salt, rock salt. Yeah. Um, and so you can use them for different different 
areas of your cooking. And it's important to, again, this goes back to measuring by weight, a teaspoon of kosher salt is about two grams, but that same teaspoon of iodized salt is eight grams. Really? So if you use the wrong salt and measure by volume, you could be putting in significantly more salt than you intend. Wow. So the rule of thumb is to consider cooking with kosher salt so that your pinch is, is standardized and you don't have a tendency to oversalt. Taste as you go, add more salt to taste. Yes. That's why salt to taste exists. Ah. When you're seasoning, um, whether it's meats or stuff like that, uh, you, you could use sea salt and grind your own sea salt in a salt grinder if you want or buy a sea salt. And then finally, the place for iodized salt is On is table salt. <laughs> <laughs> is, is in a table table shaker. Okay. Right? In your multi-hold standard yeah, like, salt shaker. Yeah, like at a right? restaurant. So yeah. somebody can add a little bit of salt onto their ingredient. And and it's important that we have iodine in our diet. It's a it's an important nutrient, which is why they have iodized salt. And the reason why not to cook or season with iodized salt, other than the chances of over-seasoning, many iodized salts have anti-caking agents included. And they can actually... In, introduce flavors into your cooking that you don't intend. Anyway, side wow, note there. that's like we could do a whole podcast there, there's on your, salt. There's your rat hole on, on salt. Salty. Are you feeling salty? Not, not right now. <laughs> no. And, okay, so shallots are a wonderful thing to cook with, tend to be minced. They provide this wonderful sweet flavor. They're kind of like, you know, onions cousins. You have trouble finding shallots. Um, you can substitute with a combination of onion and garlic. Oh, so there you go, salad, salad substitution, if you will. Uh, shallots have a little bit more sweetness to them, too, a very mild flavor. I like shallots. So there you go. Um, ovens, we talked about oven temperature. Yeah, ours um, is broken. If you, if you have trouble with oven consistency in your cooking, good tip is to get a oven thermometer and check your oven temperature. The oven's actual temperature may not be what your little dial is, is telling you it is. So that could help you. So when you say oven temp, oven thermometer, are you meaning like a probe like that no, you actually put in? not a food probe. No, okay. I'm talking about a standalone oven thermometer. Some of them have like a little hook and you hook them on a rack. Oh, yeah. And it shows you what the temperature is inside your oven. How do you know that that's accurate, though? So when you're buying that, those tend to be, you know, much more accurate and calibrated. I feel like we have one of those. We do. I bought one to make sure my oven was the correct temperatures. Of course, I don't open the oven much, so I wouldn't see it. Do you keep it in the oven? Well, I check it periodically when I'm making sure that the so oven's So you only put it in when you want to check the temperature. Right. Particularly if you're concerned about any ingredient or you need to make sure it gets to the right temperature for preheating. So every year for Christmas, Christmas dinner is always prime rib every year. And every year it is like, like a stressful situation trying to figure out how to cook the prime rib and making sure that the temperature... There's no stress. Yes, it's like a big deal. Like there are many emails that go back and forth between you and your mother about the prime rib. And we've been doing this for I don't even know how many years. So so seasoning. It's like, it's like you never cook the prime rib. But then remember when we moved into this house and we got a new oven, it like it was like a whole new experience all over again. So You do have to learn your oven. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. So, yeah, every and, oven and, is a little and if different. You're, if you're intimidated by your oven, the best thing I could suggest for you to do is cook and bake in it and do it a lot. So... If there's a particular food item that you or the kids would go through and easily, brownies, you know, cakes, banana cakes, zucchini breads, right? No. Make those and try to make them the same way every time and play with your oven. Adjust your rack location. Maybe your rack's too high. Maybe your rack's too low, right? All these little things. And then until you figure it out by messing up, 
you're not you'll 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 improve. Well, so, I tend to do so the mess up part a lot, but then I never do it again. Bobby, Bobby tip number one: don't be afraid to screw up cooking. Embrace screwing up, learn from it, and move on. I think and that should again. be you know. I think that's a great tip for life in general. Be afraid oh, to agree. fail forward, no matter what it is, guys. Not just in the kitchen. Oh, I mean, I'm fail really forward. good in the kitchen, but there's plenty of times where I've put something in the oven. Alexa didn't hear me set a timer, and I go off and forget about it. I have overcooked the bacon simply because I, you know, misplaced timing, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, you're going to learn. Yeah, it's, okay. it's a process. So you talk about cooking prep, right? Mm-hmm. What's what you need, and, and you don't like prepping, right? Why do, you, why do you hate prepping, right? It's just time-consuming. It's difficult. One of the most important tools to a chef is having a knife and not just a knife the proper and appropriate knife oh i for know the task. i know where you're going with this right so what do you do when you need a knife i just grab whatever knife you is close by grab a knife you could be chopping veggies and you're using a, a steak knife pairing knife yeah I, <laughs> oh god like, steak knife <laughs> he he has come up to me several times in the kitchen and he'll be like you know, you're using the wrong kind of knife. And I'm like, yeah. it's just a knife. Like, it's sharp. It's a sharp object. And guys, full disclaimer, my dad was a butcher. So, like, I should know my knives. And oh, and I he don't. had great super sharp knives, he all did. the right knives for the right, pur- right purposes. I, you know, I grab whatever knife right. Carving is Carving knives, around. boning knives, filet yeah, knives. I know. Right? I just. Carving. I, I just grab whichever one right. is sharp. And ar- Again, it's just a suggestion. Right. But you're grabbing a knife and you're not even actually making sure that it's sharp. That's my next tip is, <laughs> please, people, make sure your knives are sharp. And I'm going to tell you something. A sharp knife is a safer knife because it will go through your cutting object properly and appropriately and prevents the least opportunity for that knife to skip, slide, or jump on you. Um, and, and when a knife goes through and cuts properly, you're not exerting too much effort. So please sharpen your knives. If you do not have a good knife set in a block, please go to TJ Maxx, go to your department store. All right. I don't care if it's a very low cost Cuisinart um, or Macy's brand knife block set, but please get one. Use that sharpening rod to feather your blades, sharpen them properly, and use it. And if the knives don't survive more than 18 months or two years because they're simple department store knives, so what? They're 25 bucks, throw them away, and buy yourself a new block, right? And then if you're really into kitchens, we can talk about in a later date about you buying some good knives. You're really getting passionate about the knives Knives here. are important, people. I think you're channeling my dad through this. Yes. And, you know, so there's my PSA on knives matter. Note, my dad was like the number three fastest knife sharpener in the country. He had the, he had the mechanics down. Like he did. Mechanics. My and hands we, are in the air, folks, like moving back and forth, like you're sharpening knives. And he was really good at it. I'll at see it. if I can pull up some footage. I do have yeah. some video footage of him sharpening a knife for um, a, a thing that he did, a documentary that he did on the History Channel about butchering. And um, it was my dad's, you know, 15 minutes of fame. But you can see him. Oh God, he, so every time I hear you sharpen the knives in the kitchen, I'm like, it, it actually makes me cringe because my dad had such a like a way of doing it that it, it sounded like music to me. And when you do it, I'm like, that doesn't, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Not that you're doing it wrong, just that he had a little bit more finesse to it. So anyway, I digress. What do you got next? So we've got a lot of stuff in here. So I'm going to go through and find another one that I really like here. Um, you know, we could talk about how to cook things, um, but let's talk about the incredible edible egg. 
I love eggs. Egg. So let's start with the, one of the number one things we use in cooking, particularly if you're going to coat proteins and breadcrumb or panko or even just flour, is or you're baking and you need to use an egg wash, right? So do you know how to make a good egg wash? Isn't it just like egg and water? Yeah, it is. So what you would do is you would take one large egg and one tablespoon of water and you would whisk it until smooth. Again, I probably wouldn't measure the water. I probably just, you know. So and this is a very versatile solution, right? So the egg wash. What would you use an egg wash for? Okay, so you can use an egg wash as a glue if you're folding delicate pastries, right? So you put the egg wash on the edge and you fold the two pieces of the pastry together. Um, Asian cooking, when they have like wonton wrappers, you can tend to get away with just using water, but in, in certain cases, if you're having trouble getting your wrappers to stay closed, let's say you're making a dumpling or a wonton, you can use a little bit of egg wash on that edge and, and crimp them to squeeze them together. You can also use an egg wash to pre-coat your chicken. So if you're going to coat chicken or vegetables for that matter, um, dip them in the egg wash and then you toss them in your panko or breadcrumb or whatever you're coating them okay, with. Okay, question. Yes. Okay. When you do that, which I have <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I have it down where I – can do the what do they call that? What do they call that when you do you dredge? Is that what's called dredging? Dredge, sure, yes. Um, so you like put it in the you say it's a piece of chicken. You take the chicken and you put it in the in an egg. Yep. Not necessarily an egg wash. I guess are you supposed to add? Sometimes people add milk to egg if they're doing a dredge. Um, cream. They're. I've seen that done for you're going to make like fried chicken, but you're coating them in in egg and milk or so, buttermilk uh, solution, and so then you're buttermilk. Yeah. This is kind of where I'm going with this. Right. Sometimes people just do egg and then breadcrumb, or sometimes it's like egg, flour, egg again, breadcrumb. Right. Like what is that? You're building situation? up your crust. So you're making a different exterior by building it up, right? Okay. So if you think about you're cooking a nice piece of fish, what you'll tend to do is you will tend to um, just gently dump, dump it in, drop it in some egg wash, make sure the egg wash is not clumpy or, ch- or chunky. And you put it in a very light mixture of flour, dust it off, right? And it just gives it a little bit of a crust. But if you want to build up a bigger crust, let's say you're making a hearty meal. Like you want to have like a hearty piece of chicken parmesan. You can go egg wash, flour, egg wash, breadcrumb. And that's going to just build out a a heartier exterior to provide you extra flavor, crunch, texture. That's what you're doing there. Oh, okay. I never understood the reason for that. And sometimes some some recipes will... You know, of course, I just do whatever I want to do. I don't follow the recipe. And finally, for egg washes, use to you brush it on gently on any sort of baked goods. So, oh yeah, like uh, a pie. So if it's a, a pie, it could be you could be making rolls or breads. Um, I do it when I make homemade trombolis. I put a little bit of egg wash. It gives it just a golden brown appearance. It changes that that exterior color and it just gives it this richness. Okay. Yeah. I just got really sad for a second because I realized that our oven is broken. So now you will not be able to make pizza. I'm going to work on that. So wait, maybe we should just buy a pizza oven instead of fixing our regular oven. No, that's. We were out with friends last weekend who have one of those. What is that oven, that pizza oven that they have called? Oh, it's an uni. An uni, which is like amazing. Oh yeah, the uni, the creme de la creme of, of outdoor kitchen yeah, so then I was like, oh, we're getting an Objects. uni this summer for sure. But maybe we should just not get our stove fixed and it, we'll just – It's on my bucket list. It, it's right there with the with a the smoker. smoker right? So yeah. I'm leaning on a Traeger. So we'll see. 
Oh, summer. Both not sponsors. Both not sponsors. Sad notes. We need more listeners. Hey, help <laughs> us get some listeners. Yeah. Put those five-star reviews so we can get sponsors. We need some sponsors. We go. need to grow. So give us those five-star reviews. Come okay. to 99percenthealthy.com and drop us some love. So Okay, uh, that was like a shameless, a shameless little plug right. there. All right, so Keep I'm gonna going. I'm gonna do a little fire round because okay. we're gonna wrap things up on this, and I'm just gonna go through here and just blurt out there some great ideas. Okay. Um, to finish off eggs, reminder: there's many ways to cook an egg. Poaching an egg, which I've been doing regularly for breakfast, is awesome. Boil the water, a little bit of vinegar, stir it in a circle, drop your eggs in. Um, you make a great poached What's egg. What's the vinegar for? Um, most people say the vinegar helps to keep the the yolk and the whites bound together. Okay. And they cook more evenly. Um, it just change, it's changing the pH of the water, and that seems to have a, a positive effect when cooking um, poaching eggs. Okay. In terms of creating like essentially that nice little mast poached egg. I feel like vinegar is like very underutilized. There are so many uses. uses yes, for it. as a as an as a, a clean acid with mild flavor, yeah. um, it's useful in a lot of different cooking areas. Right. Um, sunny side up egg. So you get your uh, nice egg pan, roaring hot. You can get a nice crust on the bottom, and you don't have to flip it. Traditional fried egg, you can flip over. And then go on the internet, folks, and learn how to cook a uh, steam-fried McDonald's Egg McMuffin egg, which is just so wonderful. For those my Egg McMuffin lovers out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about, just how amazing McDonald's egg cooking is. Yeah, but you make a mean McMuffin at home for probably oh, I make a great egg cheaper, and very good. you could probably make a dozen of them for yes. what they cost. All Maybe right. we should put a recipe in the show notes. Yes. So that that covers eggs. Oh, making scrambled eggs. Um, do not salt your eggs before you cook. Salting the egg before cooking releases moisture, releases water, and changes how the scrambled egg cooks. Wait, hold Season on. Season your scrambled eggs after cooking. Okay. Two things I have to say. I have two notes on my fingers right now. The first one is salt. We should have talked about this with salt. Uh, something I learned from you is that you never salt, like even I, I, like mushrooms, don't salt them because any or vegetables when you cook them it releases water. So you don't want to salt until after they're cooked a little bit, right? Yeah, you want to time your salting of particularly things like like mushrooms and onions um, after they've gotten to a stage of how you're cooking them, okay. right? Onions you can be cooking several ways. Or you can be grilling them, so you're using a higher heat. You're putting a char on the outside edge, and you're going to salt, and then they're done. But if you're caramelizing, that, it's a whole different length of cooking. Your temperatures are different. Um, you're pulling out sugars of certain things. How but do you know all this stuff? I don't know. I'm on food TikTok, I guess. I get tips. Wow. I'm just, I'm, I'm just like I'm, – I'm, I'm loving you doom, in a whole when, other way When you're today. doom scrolling, you get all these you, – you doom scroll on food TikTok and you get all these tips and great chefs and stuff like that. I'm impressed. So anyway. Um, oh, wait. And the last <sighs> thing I was going to say was about the eggs. Guys. Are you team cheesy eggs or team, like, scrambled eggs without cheese? Because I grew up, my dad always made cheesy eggs. We actually call them daddy eggs. That's what yeah. we call them. Growing up, my dad made scrambled eggs every weekend. I'm a cheese eggs convert. And, yes, you put ketchup on eggs. Don't at no, me. No, you don't put ketchup, ketchup on, on eggs. Ketchup on eggs. Don't at me. Okay. So I grew up with cheese on my, in my egg, my scrambled eggs, and no ketchup ever. I never heard of that until I met Bobby. So that's really interesting. But we're still married. And he doesn't put ketchup on hot dogs. Ketchup doesn't belong on hot dogs, he says. Ketchup doesn't belong on That's going to be a whole other episode. There's another TikToker. She has a shirt that's like ketchup is a garbage condiment, and it's like fire on the internet. It's very— Because it's true. No, ketchup is wonderful. Ketchup belongs on burgers. I made a meatloaf the other night, and like when when I cook and you pull out the bottle of ketchup, that's like an insult to me. That's like saying— I don't like what you have, so I need to drown it in ketchup. It's like the crock pot recipes. It's like, just wait for the block of cream cheese to go in. (laughs) (laughs) 
How about we had friends over for dinner a couple of years ago, and we, we cooked this awesome dinner, and, and the one guy that was here was like, do you have hot sauce? And I was like, oh, he doesn't like what we have. He wants to put hot sauce on it because, like, that's going to drown the flavor of it. There's people who just love hot sauce. Well, like, I like ketchup on a Some on people like eggs, ketchup, I guess, right? And some people love hot sauce. But I things. take it as an insult if no, somebody wants to put something I, to cover up I don't the flavor think, of my I food. don't think seasoning – so this is where we definitely disagree because you make this comment to me all the time. You made this delicious meatloaf. It was awesome. And I had ketchup with it. And that I don't – it's not – it's an additive. It adds to the quality of the cooking. It doesn't take away – of putting hot sauce in that category. If you like your hot sauce, embrace it, enjoy it, love it, spice it up. Well, I guess it depends on that. No condiment hating from you, hon. Okay. You're going to have to like okay. get over that. So, I, I'll get over it. I'll try not to be not to take it personally when yeah. somebody wants to hide All the right. flavor. So my final tip to Go wrap up cooking tips today in a bow, and, and these are controversial, but I'm going to put them out there because these are the correct answers. You never, ever, ever, ever rinse raw chicken. Yes. I it agree. is completely an unnecessary step. Yes. And you're simply introducing the opportunity to splash bacteria around your kitchen. It's not necessary. Buy yourself and use fresh chicken on a regular basis. Even if you're defrosting chicken that you bought on bulk, defrost it in the fridge overnight if you can or on the counter and simply pat dry with clean paper towels. Pat dry completely and place on a plate or cutting board. All right, glass if you can. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's another thing we didn't talk about, but different cutting boards. Do not. Having different cutting – like a, you should have a cutting board for vegetables. vegetables you should have a cutting board meats, for, for meat. Right. Cut, yes. like, yeah. All right. So please do not rinse your chicken. It is unnecessary. All right. Reduce, I like that reduce, public service announcement. Reduce the chance of bacteria spreading your kitchen. Okay. All right? What else you got? And, and finally, do not rinse pasta. Oh, Yes. Good one. I grew up in a pasta rinsing house. Disaster. Epically awful. Okay. Tell us why. So you're you're simply changing the temperature of the cooked pasta by rinsing it. You're either introducing an extended warm water if you're using hot water to rinse it, or you're cooling the pasta temperature. And if you're cooking pasta appropriately to something right around al dente, maybe a minute more than al dente if you prefer it just a touch softer, you're then changing the rest of its cook time and how it's going to absorb any sauces you put on it. Right? Now, question. What if you're making like a pasta salad? Correct. So I'm going to do that differently. Okay, right. go so, ahead. Yeah. So if you're, making, if you're making a pasta salad where you're transitioning that pasta from a hot product to a cold product, then it goes in an ice bath. Okay. It's not getting rinsed. It's gonna go get submerged in an ice icy water, and that stops the cooking. And process, And that's to stop right? the cooking process because you don't want that pasta to cook any longer. You don't want it to get softer. You want to maintain its firm texture. And then after you're done shocking it in this ice bath, probably a good thirty seconds to a minute. You really want to stop the cooking throughout that pasta. Then you're just going to drain it. Okay. Right, and then you're gonna go use it in your in your dish. All right. If you're cooking with pasta and you need extra moisture, if you're making a saute, you're making a scampi, something like your pasta is going to go in a pan, save yourself a cup of pasta water. Yes. It has the starches from the pasta cooking, and that makes for a great additive to your sauce. I love that tip, too. Right. And that's something I learned from you. I never grew up having that. Right. So and, and here so you're thinking like if you're out there thinking, oh well I don't cook that complicated or that fancy, you could even employ this tip on mac and cheese. Right. So when I make mac and cheese, you don't need a whole cup, I save like half a cup of pasta water right before I'm um, draining the pasta for mac and cheese. 
And then when I go in with my, you know, buttermilk cheese packet or cheese sauce, or if I'm making it from homemade and my cheeses, if if that's too thick, if it's not mixing right, if my cheeses aren't melting or distributing properly, you know, dropping a couple of tablespoons or even a little more of that pasta water makes a delicious, smooth, velvety, creamy mac and cheese. So there's your pro wow. tip on tips from Bobby. Maybe we need to make this like a regular segment. Segment oh, like it could kitchen be like a tips. Thirty minute segment every week. We can have a two hour podcast. I actually, guys, I joked with Bobby this morning before we started, and I said, I think we're gonna do like a like an add on, like a paid subscription service. It could be the two of us in the kitchen. I don't. Would you guys want to see that of us cooking a meal? Him hovering over me doing it wrong, and it would be Bobby and Mish in the kitchen. I think that would be funny. We would try to have – we would just put out there like some very good clean content. So I would like teach you how to do it correctly going through the first time and then maybe we'll just like – it will be like a trivia quiz. <laughs> something, something it could for, be – Something fun. for a future Patreon. It, it could definitely it – could, it could be fun. So, I don't know. I would – I'd pay to watch us. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, so I guys we, – I think that's it for today for me. Yeah. You, you overextended yourself today. Thank you so much. We enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I don't know if the listeners enjoyed it. I hope that you guys brought this – you know, took some value from this today. Thank you, yeah. Bobby, for you all of your tips. You can cook. Cooking, I can. cooking is no. I'm talking to the audience too. Oh, <laughs> the audience. You can cook, be healthy. Cook, cooking for yourself is a massive improvement over dining out all the time. Yes, so absolutely. Add it, add it to your to your healthy lifestyle. Yes, I think it, yes. So, guys, if this if you took some value from this today, come and send us a message. Go to 99percenthealthy.com. That's two nines. The word percenthealthy.com, and go to that Tell Michelle tab right there at the top at the right, and tell us what you liked about this episode. If you have ideas for future episodes, please let us know. If you loved Bobby taking control of the mic today, let us know and uh, come follow us on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think because we are so excited to be growing and we're so thankful to you for listening to us and putting up with us for the past 15 episodes. So we're really excited for um, what is to come next, but we can't do it without you. So please come and support us. Give us that five-star rating at Apple Podcasts, and um, we will, I guess, see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, or future show suggestions. Please visit us at anchor.fm slash 99% healthy. That's anchor.fm slash 99 P-E-R-C-E-N-T healthy.